Like Aaron said, Rory um, sent a text out yesterday mid-morning and said, Hey guys, I'm sick. I'm struggling with this. I, just, I don't think that I'm going to be able to teach. So, uh, who wants to go? <laughs> well, nobody raised their hand. <laughs> um, and I'm short and drew the short straw. And uh, so here I am. I'll admit, I am um, I'm definitely not... feeling equipped to teach through this passage. Um, I've been wrestling with it for the last 15 hours straight, and um, what we're going to read in this is by His grace, right? And so, by His grace, we'll work through this this morning. I don't even know um, where to start, where to begin, um, other than just to get, to get into the, to the scriptures. Um, Rory taught last week as we entered the book of Galatians that the Galatian church saved by faith, saved by grace through faith was enough. That was it. That's all they needed. That's all there was to the gospel. That's why Christ came. That's why he died. That's all we have. That's all we need. And there are folks coming into the church to try and persuade them that there was more to it. Or that that wasn't it. That wasn't the end all be all. That they needed to do more. They needed to add to this, to this, to this doctrine of grace that just wasn't good enough. We've seen that in chapter 1 and we see that Paul is going to speak to them over and over again throughout these various chapters that Christ crucified is enough. That's it. He did it. It's done. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. That's just it. That's where we reside. There are going to be men that are going to come and are going to try to tell you this or tell you that. Don't believe it. And if anybody preaches something else, let them be cursed. And we know in our own sinful beings, in our own sinful hearts, that we too will do that in and of ourselves and we'll do it to others in the body, unknowingly and sometimes knowingly. Christ in these passages, Paul in these passages is saying Christ is it, he was good enough. Don't burden yourself with anything else, rest there, stay there. And so that's where we pick it up in chapter 2. First part of the chapter, we, we're going through this verse by verse on Wednesday nights. So we're going to skip over a lot of, of the verses for the sake of time and, um, <laughs> and my ill-equipped um, of this. But the first part of the passage, Paul again is just expressing to the Galatians, his revelation of the gospel and his wisdom in Christ came from Christ, not from any other wisdom of man or teachings of man, but Christ to him. That's where he stands. That's all he knows. He then goes on to tell a story of, of how he had to call out Peter because Peter, too, got around some of his buddies and, and started to act in a, in a way that, that was leading these Gentile believers away from Christ crucified is enough. He was confusing. His actions were confusing. And Paul is using that as an example to say, even we are going to do that at times and we need to be called out. We need to stick to what we know to be truth. And what is truth? The 
The gospel is the free grace and mercy of God toward you and me in Christ. You can be justified before God by no act of your own. By no series of obediences, by no measuring up. You will never be acceptable before God. And so Jesus, so Christ, he comes. And in Christ, his perfect life is imputed to us, imputed in us. He took the wrath upon himself that we were due, that we are due. He took it upon himself on the cross and proved that he was the only one through his resurrection. So if we are justified before God, it is by no act of our own. It is only by Christ crucified. Grace, unwarranted grace. By a divine act of God alone. That's the gospel. That's what Paul is telling these Galatians to stick to. Don't add to it and don't take away from it. That is it. That is the focal point. Already, I'm way out of my notes. <laughs> Praise God for that. So I was going to, um, anyway, let's just skip down. Let's just get right to the end of it. We'll pick it up in verse 19. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for today and these, these words that you are speaking to us through your word. We thank you for the opportunity to gather, to feel your love to realize your love. We thank you for this unwarranted grace that you are speaking to us about. Lord, I pray that as we go through these next several minutes that you would meet us. Bind anything, Father, that is not of you. Let us rest only in you, your words, your wisdom, your truth. By your grace, Father. We ask this in your name. Amen.
So here is where my heart is this morning as I dwell upon Christ crucified. As I dwell upon this free gift of grace, this grace that I am not deserving of, this grace that you are not deserving of, this grace that has been given to us free and clear, no strings attached, nothing that we did to deserve it, nothing that we can do to deserve it more. It's important that we understand this. Our, our ability to, to believe this grace is in and of itself an act of God in us and through us. But it's so vital because it changes everything. It changes how we approach the throne of God. If it was by any works of our own, would we be able to walk in standing on our own two feet? It keeps us low. It keeps us humble. It keeps us on our knees crawling to the Savior. It keeps God on his throne. It changes how we love Christ. Christ isn't just the doorway to eternal life, just the doorway. He's not the entry point. He is it. He is life. That's why we get out of bed in the morning. Because of his grace. Because he loved us so much, we can't help but love him back and it's that love for him that moves us compels us to get out of bed to pursue him to cling to him if I can't do anything apart from you what do I got so I cling to you and I pursue you and I follow that's all I have it's why I get out of bed it impacts how we love others. If we believe that this unwarranted grace has been given to us, then that impacts us and how we give grace to others. Some would look at, some would look at this and say, well, if it's unwarranted and, and Christ did it and all you have to do is believe it, well, then maybe it... Do I need to worry about it? If I just believe this, can I go on living the way that I want? Cheap grace? A license to sin? No. It says you didn't deserve this, you didn't earn it. There's nothing you can, can do to continue to earn it. And when that gets down into the deep root of our heart, it does nothing more but to compel us to love Christ all the more. It draws us away from sin and to Christ. It doesn't say we sin all the more. Jesus removes all the requirement to perform, to look a certain way, to strive to fulfill the law. He did it, it's done. There's no reason for us to need to perform. 
We rest in His grace. We rest in, his, in the peace that He has given us through the grace. I don't have to chase after that which has condemned me from the beginning. I think I believe in just my understanding of the gospel just lived out daily. I truly believe that, that he removes all the pressure from me to perform. I'm justified in front of God because of him. So if I don't have to strive, if I don't have to achieve, if I don't have to try to uphold the law, what am I left with? What is there to do? Nothing. Put my eye out. Nothing. But love Christ. Focus on Christ. Eyes here, always. If he did it, why do I have to worry about doing it? You were saved by grace through faith to be freed from feeling like you needed to measure up. So what happens when we, when we come to believe this faith, when Christ imparts in us that belief in this faith and, and we now are justified and we're saved and, and, and we're walking, what do we quickly do? All of us, we all do it. We quickly return back to the way of the law because the law says, if you're in Christ, you're going to do this. You're going to look these things. You're going to look like these things. So we immediately turn back to a performance basis and we can't help it. It's how we live. It's how we raise our children. It's how we go to, to, our, to our jobs. Everything is performance based. Do better. Look like this. Do that. It'll get you this. It'll get you that. It'll help your rep. It's re performance based. We live in a performance based society. So how quickly then in our sin-filled hearts, we return back to that. It's what we know. It's what we do. And yet Jesus is saying, you don't have to. You're burdening yourself needlessly. Keep your eyes on me. Love me. Know that I'm enough. Believe that. And I in you will bring you righteousness. Philippians 3, verses 2 and 3 say, Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Again, Paul is saying, Look out for those that would put another yoke upon your back. Look out for those who would try to add to this, this gospel. He goes on to say that he once found value in trying to measure up. 
When it came to upholding the law, he did it better than anyone else. If there was anyone who could boast, it was him. And then in verses 7 and 9, But whatever gain I had, whatever I achieved in that, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. His relationship with Christ meant far more to him than trying to measure up. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. It's not about wins or losses, victories or failures. It's about eyes on Jesus. He done it. We're not held to do something that we could never do in the first place. Do we get that? Do we understand that? He came, it's done, it's finished. We don't have to conform to the law. And Paul says there is way more joy in Christ anyway. Pursuing Him, eyes up here. Getting our eyes off of ourselves and what we need to do or feel like we need to do. There's way more joy in just loving Christ. There's no burden there. There's nothing to tie you down. There's no yoke on your neck there. Christ crucified for you and for me. Pressing into Jesus, grace through faith. Paul goes on to say in that chapter, press on towards, towards him and you will win. The law says no matter how hard I try, I'm going to fail. No matter how hard I try, there is always going to be a void between me and God. Always. It exists perpetually. I can never do it. When our eyes are on Him, all things flow from there. We don't have to worry about upholding the law. If we're loving Christ and we're loving his people, as his commandments tell us, if we're loving Christ, he gives us the ability to love his people. If we're there, it's fulfilled, it's done. Those are the commandments. Walk in that, rest in that. Love me and know that that's it. I will do the work in you that you're striving to do. You can't do it. This is what I believe that he's saying in verse 19. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. The law has no power over me to invoke anything in me to perform. Or to seek righteousness of my own works. The law has no 
power over me to try and be justified before God. When we are not bound to perform, we're freed simply to believe, simply to rest, simply to love Jesus. Romans 7, verse 6, But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. The Spirit of Christ in us causes us joy and pleasure in our pursuit of Him. He does that in us. But what about sin? What about needing to conquer sin? What about that? We don't repent and move away from sin. We repent to move towards Christ. It does no good for us to repent and try to get away from the sin. We repent and, and run to Christ. He did it. That's our salvation. That's where we're justified. Our righteousness imputed to us by him through his work on the cross. That's all we got to do. Repent and move to Christ. Don't feel like you have to repent and conquer this sin. He did it. He's done it. It's done. Love him. Rest there. We don't repent for breaking the law only to try harder to break it again. We repent because we know that we can't uphold the law. We repent because we need the grace of Jesus to free us from having to work to achieve perfection. Our hearts are bent towards sin. We are born with a sin nature. There is nothing that we can do to change that. No matter how hard we try, we're always going to fail. Think about the bookstore, Barnes & Noble and Bend. What is the biggest section of books in that store? Self-help books. Do this. Try harder. Follow these steps. All of the answers that you need to perform to be better, to conform to what you desire yourself to be are right here in these pages. Open it up. Look. Read. Many have done it before. This can work for you too. Self-help books. We desire it. We desire to be something inside of intrinsically wants to be. We know that we need something better. And how quick our hearts are prone to wander. How do you counsel people in the depths of major sin battles? 
How do you counsel somebody who has said, I am struggling with this. I am battling this. I don't know what to do. I can't come over. I can't overcome this. I've tried. How do you counsel somebody in that? Dude, Jesus loves you. He doesn't desire you to be there. He says, love him. And that is where you will find life. That is where you will find peace and rest. This is exactly what Paul is saying in verse 19. No matter how hard I try, I still stand condemned. The law has killed me, and I need a Savior. So let us rest in knowing that win or lose, fail or succeed, nothing drives his love from us. Nothing causes us greater or lesser standing in his eyes. This is grace. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. And Christ says, I'm going to give it to you anyway. Love me. Rest in me. Be freed from that which kills you. Chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. says he loves us. He gave himself for us. He lives in us. He's alive in us. And in that we rest. And know that it is by our faith alone. That gets us there. Genesis 15 verse 6. Speaking of Abraham, and he believed the Lord and he counted to him as righteousness. God was telling Abraham what he was going to do, that he was going to give him sons and daughters that were going to populate the world. They were going to be bigger in numbers than the stars in the sky. And it says, all Abraham did was believe and it was counted as righteousness. There's no mention in this passage of anything that he was doing, anything that he did, anything that he had to go on to do. He simply believed. He simply loved God. What about obedience? Scriptures say we got to obey, we got to obey, we got to follow the commandments. There are some people that will preach from the pulpits that to obey is to follow, to obey is to stay in the will, to obey is to receive love from Christ, to obey, to obey, to obey. If you're not obeying, all you've got hope for is death, destruction, punishment. 
Are those things all true? Are there consequences for sin? Yes, we know that. But isn't there something inside of us that says, surely we need to obey more? Surely we need to clean this up to be found righteous before Christ? Surely there's something we need to do to continue to receive this grace? Surely it's not that simple. Sure, I mean, we again are designed to perform. We don't even want to accept this free. I mean, it's like free grace. And we just keep like, oh, yeah, but I, I feel like I need to do this or that. I feel like, I mean, I, just, I can't even just, no, rest in it. It's free. It's given. It's done. He loves you. That's all he wants you to know. He loves you. Nothing else. Being saved does not mean, being justified does not mean that we're going to be sinless. Was Abraham without sin? No. God found him righteous because of his face, faith. Not because he was without sin. If any sin exists in us, God cannot be pleased with us. But Christ, it's Christ who comes and fills that void, who fills that chasm. And God then sees us and he sees Christ. He doesn't see us, he sees Christ and says, I'm pleased. They're righteous before me because of Christ. I got sin over here. I said, look to Christ, Lord. Look to Christ. See him. My only hope is there. He did it. I can't. So if we can't be without sin, and thus never righteous before God, what do we have left? To love Christ all the more. To cling to Christ for what he has done for us. Obedience doesn't grow our love for him. The more I obey, the more I love Jesus? No. The more I do what my wife tells me to do, the more I love her? No, it doesn't work that way, right? The more my son, my sons or my daughter obey, the more I love them? No, I love them anyway. Does that mean they're perfect or without sin? No, but I love them anyway. Obedience doesn't grow our love for him. But rather, the more we love Christ, the more we desire to obey. That's him in us. Love me, and you don't got to worry about it. You're going to follow. You're going to obey. Are you going to be perfect? No, I don't expect that. Love me and you will follow. Obedience is a fruit of love. Same with repentance. Repentance doesn't produce love. It's our love for Christ that produces repentance. It's our receiving of this grace and seeing of this unwarranted grace that says, I am sorry. I can't do it. I am sorry. It's love 
for Christ that produces repentance. We don't repent hoping that he will find us more righteous. We're already righteous. He's done it. It's been given to us. His good work in us, our ability to follow, to abide, to obey, is Him living in us. Verse 20. If there is anything good in us, it is Christ. It's not us. Some people will say, well, so I know that I've been given this grace, this unwarranted grace, and it was by no works of my own. And I believe and I accept this, and now I'm saved. But now that I'm saved, I should desire to please. I should desire to follow or to, to work. I should desire those things, right? That's Christ in me. That's right. Yeah, I mean, we see that there's a supernatural thing that occurs, Christ in us, living in us, and I, I, I can't tell you how that works inside of me. All I know is that the scriptures say, if there is anything good in me, it is Christ and Christ alone. So if I have a desire to obey, if I have a desire to follow, it's Christ in me. It's Christ in me growing my love for him. It's him, it's him, it's him. My free will chooses sin every day of the week. Every day of the week, my free will chooses sin. It's Christ's will inside of me. It's Christ's work inside of me. That produces repentance, fruit, obedience. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And then down in verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Because if there was any other way, we would boast in and of ourselves. We would boast in our own abilities. We would boast in our ability to follow the law versus theirs. We would see ourselves better than the next guy. If there was anything in us that could produce that, we would use it for corruption. The problem is, is once we believe this and we come into this unwarranted grace and favor of God, you know, we get into the church and we, and we read passages that talk about fruit, bear fruit. I got to obey, I got to follow the commandments. You're saved now. That's what a saved person looks like. So what do we do? We start going towards that. What does that saved person look like? That's what I'm striving for. It says if I'm saved, I'm going to look like that. And what, Christ, what has Christ already said? No, look to me. Look to me and I will make you look like that. I put these in here as an example of what you will look like. So when you see that in yourself, you will know it's me and not you. He doesn't put that out there for us to strive towards, to look a certain way. He says, love me and you will look like that. Not love me and you might. Not love me and... 
eventually he says, love me and you will. We don't strive for fruit. We strive for Jesus. Sort of like, instead of like, Instead of saying, okay, that's what, I, that's what I need to look like, so I'm going to go there, striving for that fruit out in front of me. Instead of Christ is saying, look to me, follow me, and as we're doing that, eventually we look behind us and go, what the heck is that? There's fruit there. I didn't even know where it came from. How did it get there? Right? Isn't that how it is? I mean, oftentimes we get to this place and we're like, I didn't even have that desire. I don't know why that desire, why am I, like, that wasn't me a year ago. I can see the growth of Christ in me. From today versus where I was a year ago. That's Christ. That's not anything that I was striving for. Just says, love me, love my people, and follow. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to love you. You in me is going to cause me to follow. That's, That's all I know. Ephesians 2, 8, verse 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanships created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He saved us by his grace. Because of this, we don't, have to worry about whether or not we will perform good works, bear good fruit, or uphold the law. It says we will, by his grace. And then he says, oh, and by the way, I've already prepared these good works for you to walk in, and you will walk in them. I've already prepared it. So it's not even like we even have to try to plan it ourselves. He's already prepared it. So we follow, we love, our eyes are here. That's it. And we will walk in his workmanship. Fruit comes from Christ. We strive for that who produces fruit in us, not the fruit itself. We've been walking through this in John 15, 16, 17 in our core groups. If you're not in one, man, they've been powerful. Not by anything we're doing. The Lord is meeting us in these core groups. All of them. We're hearing of good fruit out of these core groups. And it's not anything that anybody is doing. We're just walking through the book of John and saying, Gosh, I need a savior. And he did it, and he's it, and it's done, and he loves me. So in John 15 this year, we learn that a branch trying to produce fruit cannot do it. The vine gives life to the branch, which produces fruit. Our aim is... Though we know we're the branch, our aim isn't the branch or the fruit. Our aim is to be in the vine which grows the branch, which grows the fruit. Striving in our flesh only produces more feeling of failure. 
He just wants us to believe and love him. And he will do the work in us from there. If I believe I can be justified before Christ in my own works and my own actions, then I have less need for Christ. And what a scary place to be. If I believe that a few good works outweigh the other sin in my life, so if I believe that I've got this bad sin or I've got these areas of not falling, of not obeying the law, but if I can just, I, I can do all these other good things, if I, I, can, I can do these other good, to outweigh this other stuff, then where does that leave me? It leaves me striving for more of myself in obeying and upholding the law and producing works and producing fruit. Instead, Christ is saying, don't worry about this and don't worry about this. Just worry about me. Love me and I've got all the rest of this. Do not, verse 21, do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. We know that can't be true. We know he died for us, for me, for you. In an undeserved state, we didn't even love him, and he died for us. Don't reject his grace. Don't believe in anything but his grace alone. And even though our hearts are prone to wander from that, if for a second we put anything upon ourselves, other than just looking at Christ, we say that his work on the cross was pointless. If the worship team wants to come on up, I'll wrap this up. Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 been wrestling through this passage with Kevin over the last couple weeks and it says not everyone who says to me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is heaven on that day many will say to me Lord, Lord did we not prophesy in your name? Do we not cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So what's the difference between those that are in and those that are not? Grace, unwarranted grace. And our belief in that, our belief that Christ is better, that Christ did it, and we don't have to. The ramifications of this 
are for all of eternity. If we don't believe this, Matthew 7 says, He will say, I never knew you. How are we to find relationship with Christ? By loving Him. By pursuing Him. Even right now, there's probably some of you that are just saying, I kind of get it. I do. I kind of get it. But surely there's something I have to do. Surely I can't just accept this and not do anything. It can't be as simple as knowing Jesus and loving Him. Surely there is something I have to do. I'm telling you straight, there isn't. There isn't. Love him. Accept his grace. And know that you're justified. Why do I stand up here and weep? I don't know. But I know that I don't deserve this. So I cling to him every day. I think that's what he wanted us to hear today, this morning. Cling to him. He did it. You don't have to. You don't even have to try. Just love him. Believe. Press into Jesus. Love him. Let him change your tastes. Let him change your values. Let him change your heart. Can you accept that today? Can you feel him saying to your heart, I love you? My grace is enough for you. Can you feel that? Respond to that in your heart. In your seat, as we sing this last closing song, respond to that. Accept that. Yes, Jesus, I accept this. Maybe you've never felt justified. Maybe you're sitting there going, I just, I thought I had a relationship. Maybe I don't. Maybe I'm confused. Just love him. Just believe him. Just pursue him. He'll bring all of those answers and understanding and wisdom to you. He will do that. Paul says in Galatians, it's about nothing else but grace. You want to be found righteous before God? Love Jesus. Just love Jesus. That's all there is. Love Jesus. Johnny. Johnny.